0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What do you do when life feels like it's toppling all around you? Maybe there's a specific part in your life that feels like it's falling apart right now or worse, you've made an effort to build and then rebuild and it just seems to keep toppling. Uh, just the other day, I was playing with my boys, and uh, you know, Daniel, he's at the age where he likes playing with blocks. And so we're on the floor, and we are building little block towers. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just st- stack them up as high as you can. And then our littlest guy, Matthew, he's, he's about one and a half. He, he thinks it's far more entertaining rather than to build to destroy. And, and I'm not kidding you, he's learned how to like drop kick. So he runs over, and he's just like. <laughs> And uh, I mean, he's just like pummeling us with blocks and he thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And so literally we would get a few blocks up and he would just be like, whoop! And uh, as fast as we could build them, he was kicking them down. And then it became like a game. To, like, so we, had, we did like a little contest to see how high we could get it before Matthew booted them across the house. And fortunately we were all laughing. Matthew was laughing. Daniel was laughing, I was having a great time. And I was thinking to myself, I think I'm enforcing, reinforcing some really bad behavior, but at least it's funny. And, but unfortunately, I think that is a good metaphor for our lives. Maybe you've, maybe right now, you've been trying to build um, a relationship Maybe it's a friendship, maybe you're in a dating relationship, maybe you're married, maybe it's in a family relationship, and you've been trying to build it, and there's somebody who keeps jumping in and sabotaging your best attempt, and they're, and they're giggling the whole time. <laughs> and, and like it just feels like the pieces of your life, the pieces of that relationship are getting toppled. Maybe it's your career or your finances, maybe it's dreams. You, you have a dream in your heart, and, and you're going into 2019, and you're trying to put the pieces of your life together, hoping to build something that will last, something that will be significant, and yet, uh, as you're putting it up, you feel like it's a race between putting the pieces together and someone or something toppling it. And whether that is just life circumstances or that is an accident or a diagnosis or a crisis, or, or maybe it, it, you actually have a boss that seems to laugh every time he kicks down what you're trying to build, it does seem like there are times when life laughs at us as the pieces of our life are toppling. And so what do you do when what you're building seems to topple? And how do you rebuild? How do you pick yourself up? I, I, I know for many people, they tend to land into one of two categories when life topples around them. When, so I want you to imagine a world in turmoil that gets suddenly hit with catastrophe and things go from bad to worse. In those situations, you usually have two groups of people. The first group is people that are unwilling to see what's right in front of them. That, that's people who are living in denial. They're not accepting the reality of the trouble and the turmoil and the catastrophe, catastrophe that they're in. Then there are people that settle into despair and they can only see what's immediately in front of them. So they either do not see what's right in front of them and they're living as if this isn't real, or they only see what's in front of them and they are paralyzed, living hopeless lives. And that would be a great picture of the nation, of the people of Judah what was left of the nation of Israel in 586 BC. As we're going through this series, we're looking at the book of Ezekiel, which is written by a prophet named Ezekiel, who is living with the people uh, who are taken into exile. Babylon marched against the nation of Israel in 586 BC, wipes out the remaining portion, which is called Judah, uh, destroys and devastates their capital city of Jerusalem and topples their temple. And you have people that are devastated. Their entire lives are ruined. And then they take the leaders, the wealthy, the political leaders, they take the educated and they march them off in a first wave to Babylon where they are now taken and living in exile. And this guy Ezekiel, he gets marched with them. And now several years into their exile, you have people that fit into two groups, the Hebrew people. You have people living in denial, The only thing, that they they refuse to see what is obviously in front of them. They refuse to accept that this is a really bad situation, that their nation has been destroyed, that their capital city has been uh, devastated and their temple has been toppled. Then you have people that only could see what was right in front of them, and they were just living in devastating despair. And neither of them could see the future. Neither of them, neither of those two groups could see a future for themselves or for their nation. Because they're living in denial or despair. But this guy, Ezekiel, who's a man of God, a spokesperson of God, he sees something altogether different. In fact, he has visions of his great God and how great God is, and how great God is at work, even in catastrophic. Situations, and so he's he writes this book, which is an accumulation of all the different prophetic visions and sermons he preached to the people while in exile. And so we're we're jumping in here about halfway through the book, as he's writing it. uh, The. The, um, the city of Jerusalem is destroyed, okay? So I kind of gave you the full picture, but I'm, now I'm gonna put in a timeline for you. About halfway through, the whole city gets destroyed and the temple toppled. And, and so this, this moment that I'm gonna read to you is just before that happens. But Ezekiel sees it coming. He knows catastrophe is coming. And so he's writing as a warning. And it's a warning that transcends uh, their situation because it really applies to each one of us, especially to those of us who have had situations in our life that have toppled, who've got dreams that have toppled or a relationship that has toppled or have gotten tired of trying to rebuild, or maybe there's people in your life where their life seems to have toppled. So I'm gonna jump in and read you. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 22. And, and, and really, I'm just gonna read a short portion, then we'll go back and unpack this a little bit. Ezekiel is writing and speaking on behalf of God. So imagine this is God saying these things. This is, this is what he says. I look for someone, God says, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the, gap, in the gap in the wall on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done declares the sovereign Lord. And so this is like a gulp moment. I mean, what I just read to you, you're like, what? I mean, this is not fun or encouraging. It's actually a really dark passage found in Ezekiel 20. I mean, basically this is what God says, right? He's looking at these people in exile and he's like, you know, I look for someone who would actually step up and step in and fill the voids of pain and brokenness where there was trouble in the nation. I didn't find anyone. Therefore, I'm gonna pour out my wrath on the nation. They're gonna be utterly destroyed. sermon. Really (laughs) encouraging. That's exactly what we need to hear this weekend. By the way, uh, welcome to those of you joining us in Chambersburg. We're so excited to have you here. If you're a guest with us, we're thrilled you joined us. If you're online with us right now, we're just here. We just want to encourage you and say, welcome home. And uh, if you're with us at a classic service or one of our uh, cinemas or if you're at the Wilson uh, campus, we just want to say, welcome home. If we, um, you know, one of my goals in every sermon is to encourage you, to inspire you, and let you know that where you don't fill the gap, It's going to create a void that God is going to pour out wrath and destroy people. (laughs) I mean, I I know you're probably right now like struggling. How how is he going to apply this to my life in an uplifting way? Here here is the thing. And I really, I feel like I need to disclaim this. All right. Uh, Especially during this, the current events as they're unfolding today in our nation, you know, where the government is partially shut down because the government's trying to figure out whether they want to fund a border wall or not. And here I am preaching a sermon about holes in a wall that's bringing (laughs) catastrophe on a nation. Uh, You're gonna be tempted. In fact, I, I was struggling with this as I was writing this sermon. We are often tempted to misappropriate the Bible toward politics. And so I'm gonna take a moment. I I was wondering whether or not I would do this, but now I'm in the moment. I'm like, this needs to be done. This needs to be said. The Bible, the biblical authors, over 40 different authors, over a span of 1500 years, wrote about all different situations. And they sometimes were writing regarding political crises. They used those crises like current events to address different issues. But they were not writing so that 2,000 or 3,000 years later those passages would be appropriated toward current events in the news today to uh, allow us to preach against or for politics. All right, so let me, re- let me make sure this is clear because I used some words there that I wanna make sure you don't miss. You could, you could read this and hear my preaching and you could be thinking only political but it was not written at all for that purpose. In fact, very much the opposite. What, what Ezekiel's gonna do is he's gonna take a current event situation and he's gonna use it for a very personal and spiritual purpose. He's gonna go like this. Your lives are like that wall broken down. Okay, so here's the point, right? When you read the Bible what has become the Bible, which is a compilation of 66 different books. Here's something I want you to catch. Um, You're gonna read parts of it that talk about how we should treat the poor, how we should treat widows, the most vulnerable, people suffering under injustice. Uh, and, And when you read what biblical authors had to say about those issues, you would come to a conclusion that the Bible is very progressive. It's almost liberal Democrat. You would have to come to that conclusion. But then you're going to read other parts of the Bible and you're going to read about what biblical authors had to say about gender and sexuality and marriage and right ways of living. And you go, Oh my goodness, the Bible is extremely conservative. And I don't want you to Bible. The Bible is not uh, schizophrenic. The Bible is not confused because the Bible is not meant to defend a political position. In fact, the Bible transcends politics and we use biblical understanding to inform our votes, our, the way we understand politics. And so with that said, this sermon has nothing to do with politics, even though I'm gonna talk a lot about a wall, okay? <laughs> Enough said, okay. Thank you at each of our campuses. Thank you for catching that. Now, what does it mean? In this era and this time, the wall, being destroyed was a tremendous dishonor. It meant that they were vulnerable to attack. It was an embarrassment and a shame for this nation to have deteriorating walls. And it foreshadowed the future devastation of a capital city. So what Ezekiel is doing is he's using the gaps in the wall as a metaphor that there are gaps in our lives, gaps in our homes, gaps in our communities and our cities that are being left vulnerable and the enemies are attacking, taking advantage of our weaknesses, leaving our lives devastated. It's an embarrassment and a shame because people aren't living rightly. Whoa. Now, what do you do with that? Because that idea is not just meaningful for people living in exile who were nowhere near the physical wall because he wasn't talking about a physical wall. He was talking about the walls in our hearts, our homes, our neighborhoods, our cities. And the application is this. What he was talking about was the idea of building physically working whether it's on a real wall, or it's the walls in our relationships, our homes, our communities, that you've gotta do the hard work of actually rebuilding what is broken, which means this, we are are invited to come alive to serve. We are alive to serve. You've been given new life, you've been given your life for the purpose of serving others. We are alive to serve. Why do our lives topple? Why are there little Matthews in our life, my little guy, who who giggle at running up to our life and going, and and when the pieces of our life shatter, when relationships blow apart, there seems to be somebody there who's just like getting way too much of a jolly out of watching our our lives crumble around us. Why is that? Well, I'm going to say it. It is not that there is an outside invading force like Babylon or my, my little Babylon that lives at home, Matthew. It, it is not that there are these outside forces of life circumstances, an accident, a diagnosis, a crisis, a financial disaster that is blowing up your life and causing things to crumble and tumble around you. It is that built into every one of us, there is a force that sabotages our best intention. We have a built-in little Matthew, all right? as my little guy. We have it built into us. Every one of us are hardwired with that kind of one and a half year old juvenile mentality that we kick down our own lives. We topple our own efforts. We destroy our dreams. We seem to kick over everything we build. We are hardwired with a spiritual force in us that undermines and devastates and destroys our best intentions. Here's what the prophet Ezekiel said. He goes like this, this is leading up to his statement about, I look for someone to fill the gap and I found no one. He goes like this, the people of the land practice extortion. You wanna know why there's gaps in the walls in our lives? Because the people in the land practice extortion. Extortion, right? Using your power to take things that are not yours. And they commit robbery, just straight out stealing. They oppress the poor, the needy, and mistreat the foreigner denying them justice. Wow, see what I'm saying? You could read that and you can go, wow, the, the Bible is incredibly liberal, like really progressive, right? And, and he's going, look, here's what the problem is. You wanna know why that your hearts, why your homes, why your nation is collapsing? It's because you're allowing stuff like this to go on. What's his point? He goes, inside of every one of us, there is this force, biblical authors, and Jesus refer to that as sin, a spiritual force that sabotages everything we build. It comes in and it just kicks it over, topples our lives. This sin force that lives inside of every one of us doesn't just hurt us. It doesn't just topple our dreams. It topples our homes, communities, cities, and entire nations. And when enough people are sinning together, like what we read about in this verse, where you have a a land, an entire nation experiencing extortion, robbery, oppression, uh, not caring for the needy, not looking out for the foreigner, denying justice. A nation collapses because the metaphorical walls have massive gaps in them. And so this is what Jesus did, right? Ezekiel could only challenge the people to rebuild the metaphorical walls in their hearts and lives. He could challenge them to live rightly, but it could do nothing to rebuild what was broken. And the people sat in denial and despair. But what Jesus did was he came and he showed up in the gap because there was a spiritual gap left between you and me and God, right? Because sin separates us from relationship with God headed toward a forever ruin. And so what Jesus does is he steps into the gap between you and me and God, and he fills the gap. He stepped in, he took our sin, our shame, our guilt, the consequence of sin, that force that drives us to come and kick and topple the things in our lives. He puts it on himself so that when he He died, he died in our place, absorbing our eternal judgment. So that when we believe in Jesus by faith, that gap is filled. Now there's no longer a separation between us and God, and there are no longer gaps in right living. We no longer have to carry the shame. We no longer have to look at our lives and go, here's what's wrong in my life, and here's what's missing in my life. God fills what's missing, and he gives us a right way of living through faith in Jesus, because Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead, and in the power of his resurrection, he gives us access to his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit living in us. And when God's Spirit lives in us. He empowers us that we begin to live rightly. The right kind of way fills those gaps. You, you, get, you understand, right? Ezekiel is using the wall as a metaphor saying, when we don't live rightly, it creates gaps in the walls of our heart. It creates gaps in our homes, gaps in communities and cities that it can destroy a nation. He goes, so, so obviously Ezekiel doesn't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior Jesus hadn't yet come to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, but he's foreshadowing this. And when Jesus comes, he's better than Ezekiel because he's not just telling you what God says. He comes as God in human form to fill the gap so that you and I could have a right relationship with God. The gap is closed and we could, be, we could have all the gaps in our heart and our life and our relationships filled through faith in Jesus, but he also through his spirit empowers us to become people who fill gaps. Okay, hold up. That's where I'm going here today. That's what I want to really be your takeaway. First and foremost, you and I have gaps in our life. And the only way those gaps are getting filled is through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But now we are called to fill gaps. Listen, what a, what a statement Ezekiel writes. Let me, let me read it to you again. He said, I look, this, he's speaking on behalf of God. And imagine God looking out over your life, your home, your neighborhood, your school, your workplace. Imagine God looking over Hagerstown, Chambersburg, God looking out of the tri-state area. And I, I, I would never want God to be able to say this. God saying, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. I don't want God to be able to look at my life and say, Patrick, I was looking over the area you lived in, over your home, over your neighborhood, over your city, over the tri-state area. And I was looking for someone who would step up and become a gap filler. And I found no one. I'm saying, God, put me to work. I'll help fill the gap. And the point is this, what is your takeaway? Serve by filling the gaps. That's what I want your takeaway to be. We are responsible, you've come alive to serve. Well, when you come alive to serve, then what do you do? You serve by filling the gaps. You step up and you step in to where there are voids and where there are gaps. Now, very specifically when Ezekiel is speaking, remember he's speaking to people who do not see or have access to a physical wall. So what he's talking about is you need to fill the gaps in relationships, fill the gaps against injustice, fill the gaps where there is debt, fill the gaps where the poor are not being cared for, fill the gaps where the most vulnerable people in your community are not provided for, not cared for, not looked out for. And so how do you fill gaps? Well, first I have to understand my responsibility. You have been given a responsibility through faith in Jesus Christ. Your responsibility means that you are uniquely called to serve. Listen to me. You were made for a mission and you are saved to serve. And unless you understand that, you're gonna think your life is about you. But the moment you understand that I was saved to serve, you understand that God is looking for people to fill gaps. And now I say, God, here I am, use me. Now, in order for me to get this, I'm gonna take you a couple more principles deeper. That also means if I was saved to serve, then I have become a servant of God. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have become a servant of God. That, that doesn't mean that I am your servant. It doesn't mean I am a servant to people at work or people in my neighborhood, because otherwise they can tell me what to do and I have to do it. If I am a servant of God, then God is giving me direction. God is giving me the commands. I am obeying him by serving others. So we, we are a servant of God by serving others others. So what are some ways that we can serve others by filling the gap? Well, very simply put, we step up and we step in where there are gaps in our homes, our neighborhoods. And that means this, I have to first Take responsibility. Stop looking for someone to blame. Stop looking for someone to point the finger at. Right in this passage, as Ezekiel is going through this, he does list the priests and the political leaders and the princes and the wealthy. He lists them. But then after he goes, that, he goes, oh, and by the way, everyone else. Because our temptation is to go, the government should fill the gap. Those who have the money should fill the gap. The spiritual leaders, our pastors should fill the gap. Everyone else but me, right? That's our instinct. But when Ezekiel's running this, he goes, yes, the political leaders should step up. Yes, the wealthy should step up. Yes, the spiritual leaders should step up. But don't let that be an excuse that if they don't, you don't have to. And if they do, you're off the hook. No, we all are responsible to step up. We are alive to serve, which means I serve by filling the gaps. So in what way are there people who are suffering injustice that I can leverage my strength to defend the weak? How can I use whatever power God has given me to stand up for the defenseless? How can I leverage my opportunities to support those with no opportunity? How can I use my financial resource to look out for those that have none? Are you with me so far? So I fill in gaps. Where is there a gap in your marriage? Where is there a gap in your parenting? Where is there a gap in your home? Where is there a gap in your neighborhood, in your classroom, in your workplace, in our city? What breaks your heart? You see an issue and you're thinking someone should do something about that. You've heard me say this before. Yes, someone should. The reason God has allowed you to see that gap is he's called you to fill it. Now you don't necessarily have to fill it alone, but he has given you the sight to see a gap in a wall and he's uniquely called you to fill that gap. And so you'll know what gap you're called to fill by what breaks your heart, what hurts you inside, what burdens you, what what keeps you up at night, what consumes your conversations. Maybe it's time to stop waiting for someone else to step up and you step up and step in and begin to fill that gap. As a servant of God, to serve others. Now, before I move on, let me give you another thought on this. If we only do this for the purpose of social justice, meaning it's motivated by I feel bad, then what we're doing is we're doing good things because we wanna feel better. We are not doing good things to feel better. We are doing good things to show off God's goodness. We are doing the right thing because they're the right thing, regardless of what credit anyone gets. Only credit we want is for God to be seen and God's goodness to be known, which means our service has a redemptive value. The word redemptive means it points people to Jesus. And so whatever I do that is good and right, however I fill a gap, my goal is not to make myself feel better. My goal is not that I get credit or the church gets credit. My goal is that people notice how good God is and that God gets the credit and people discover Jesus. Now, let me give you one other idea. I want you to make sure you don't miss this because if I'm going to fill the gap through serving, then I have to discover my part. So here's what I want you to make note of, maybe even write this down. Discover your part in filling the gaps. There is a unique gap that you have been uniquely gifted called to fill, you know, if um, if you like me, if you've ever like built puzzles, you, you um, man a lot. If there's a piece missing, if you've ever built a whole puzzle and you get to the end and there's like a few pieces missing. Maybe maybe you're one of those people that you like think it's funny. Your family's building a puzzle and you take like two or three pieces out and you think it's really funny that at the very end they're like where. Pieces, and they spend hours looking at it and at the very end. You're like, ha, 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 that was a funny practical joke. And they want to like wring your neck. Um, okay. Aside from those of you, all the rest of us, no, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, here's the thing. If you have a puzzle piece, I don't know if you guys can see this, but if you have a puzzle piece, it doesn't look like anything. It, you just look at it and you're like, what is this? On its own, it stands, it doesn't stand, you know, it stands alone. It doesn't have any significance or value. But the significance of a puzzle piece is its place in the broader picture. And it's when the picture comes together that it brings value to the whole. When we all begin to do our part in filling the gaps in the wall, then the walls of our hearts, homes, neighborhoods, cities are rebuilt. You don't have to do everything, but you do have to do your thing. So what is your thing? Well, God has uniquely given you gifts Talents, abilities, skills, education, opportunity, experiences, even your pain, in fact, especially your pain, has been an experience that God wants to use to fill the gaps in others' lives. In fact, the comfort, another author in the Bible, in the Bible said that the, we use the comfort we've received to comfort others. That same author, the Apostle Paul, wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus where he said this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, that's the the leaders of the church, to equip his people. So the purpose of pastors in the church, the purpose of the primary leaders of the church is to train and equip others for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. See, the, whole, the goal was this, that God gives the leadership. That's like people like me and Pastor Jay and Pastor Spencer and all our pastors and our leaders in our church. Their, our primary goal is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to do the works of service, to help you understand that you have a part and to do your part. So how can you use the gifts that God has given you, the abilities, the talents, the skills, the education to serve God by serving within the church and serving through the church to serve others? Can I encourage you? How could you use your profession, your professional skills? How could you volunteer your opportunities, your profession, your skills to help serve those that are right now in the gap? Would you step up, make yourself available, be willing, and available to serve first. What I mean by that is start right now. Don't sit around and wait. In fact, this weekend we wanna challenge every one of you to find your part. To say, I, I wanna become part of a team. Why? Because you don't have to do everything but you have to do your thing. We, we have a saying around here, it's, the, it's teamwork that makes the dream work. And so if you wanna be part of what God is doing in and through LifeHouse Church, all you gotta do is say, I wanna be my part. I wanna find my place and make sure it's not about you. Right? I already talked about that. It's a servant of God to serve others. So it's not about you, but you find your part so you can use your skills, your gifts. Look, some of you, you have been uniquely skilled in law enforcement and you can serve within our security team and we desperately need those individuals. You have a technical skill on computer. Maybe you could serve on our online campus or you can serve volunteer with our admin, or you have a tech skill. Working with sound, and you can work on our tech team. Maybe you can maybe you are highly skilled in an in instrument or singing, and you can be part of the worship team, or maybe you have a skill in working with children. Our children's t- department would love to have new teachers and volunteers serving with them, or maybe you have a gift and you just love working with middle schoolers. Whoa, you're awesome! We love our middle schoolers, but man, you're awesome. And whatever your part is, here's the point, right? It's not that one is more valuable than another. In this context, what he's writing is, it's, it's not about those. Some are called to prayer and preaching. Others to care and teaching. Some to youth and children and babies. Some to hospitality and some to tech and worship, right? The point is to find your place. Do, find your part and be your part. But here's the point, right? I, I'm going to throw this slide up. He, not really... So we got a puzzle and here's what it looks like, right? You, but when you look at your part, you don't see this, right? This is the wild, wild river. We are singing that, there it is. And uh, we, we, we believe that this is something that's not gonna topple, right? We're gonna build something significant together that can stand the test of the storms, stand the troubles and the trials of life that can't easily be toppled. But we do that together. Right, so the point is, what is your part? Hold, I want you to hold on to your little puzzle piece. Some of you are gonna get together and you're gonna try to build your little part. Okay, great. But we on purpose took a few out. Um, here, here's the point. Find your place. Your, your life, like a jigsaw puzzle piece, finds its significance when it gets its place in the whole. You have been brought to life to serve. And you come alive when you begin to serve by filling in the gaps in the walls of our lives, your life, your home, your neighborhood, your classroom, your your workplace, in the community. And then as we come together, we, we find our unique and specific part, our place, in the whole of the church, and we do our part, and we find our significance, not for us to receive any attention, not for us to receive any glory, but so that God gets all the glory. And so here's my challenge to each one of you. Here's what I want you to do right now. First, there's some of you, maybe many of you, where there's there's something that has been toppling in your life, and you need God to fill that gap. And maybe that's just a personal prayer moment. We wanna create space for that. Others of you, your life itself has toppled. And, and, and Jesus wants to step in and fill the gap in your life, fill the gap between you and, and God. And, and, and the way he fills that gap is when we say, Jesus, I believe in you as my Lord and Savior. And would you make that commitment, that decision right now? And then I want each of you to prayerfully consider right now, as you look to ahead throughout 2019, I want you to make a commitment to serve to find your place. Look, you, you are made to serve. You are made for a mission. You are saved to serve. And, and I want you to live that out in 2019. You will discover that your life has the most meaning when you're using it to serve God by serving others. So would you take a moment right now, I want you just to pause. Each one of you here, at each of our campuses, would you pause and just pray and say, God, I wanna make a commitment to you, inviting you to fill the gap in my life. And I wanna make a commitment to doing my part in serving by filling gaps and discovering my part in what gaps you've called me to serve. So would you take a moment right now, would you pray? Would you allow allow God to speak to you? Would you make that that commitment right now? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.